0: Excellent. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Good morning, Northwest. It's wonderful to see you again, and uh, a special welcome to everybody who is streaming online right now. If you are streaming online right, right if you are streaming online right now, that's a tongue twister for me. Uh, there's a little chat box there. Log in. Tell us you're online. We'd love to know you're there as well. Um, it's always great to 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 see other people who are joining us around the world. Happy Fourth of July weekend, or as I like to call it, the original Brexit. Uh, uh, uh. Some of you are applauding and you don't know why. (laughs) It's the original Brexit, that's for sure. We have been talking about walking uh, with God, which is a good, a good thing. And, uh, and of course, if we're walking with God, this is something where, where we are going places, where we are spending time with Him, we're expecting we even have to keep up with Him. And we've been looking at different dimensions of walking with God, and this morning, I want to talk about walking with God, the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit is uh, a part of the Godhead. And I have never really talked about the Holy Spirit because uh, there's a lot of weird stuff when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There really is. If you read your Bible, you'll find that half of it is really odd stuff. I grew up, just a little background, I grew up in a charismatic church. My father probably started one of the first charismatic churches that there there ever was in Scotland. And uh, he planted churches, the church grew pretty large, and he planted churches and he started to oversee churches even around Europe, etc. And uh, that was back in the 1970s when the things of the Holy Spirit really started to be discovered by a movement of people, Christians. And so, Charismatic basically is just about as just a church that accepts or believes in the things of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, talking and walking with the Spirit. And it grew quite a bit, but to the point where. It got to the place where I think some of the things that we got into, or the the church, the churches in Scotland got into were sometimes often weird. Now, the problem with the Holy Spirit is that they can be weird things. I remember when my father first uh, uh, started his church in Dundee and um, one of the things he he noticed was there was a movie that came out called The Exorcist. anyone remember that movie, The Exorcist? So it was a real creepy and weird movie. So he's like, come on kids, let's go see The Exorcist. I'm kidding, we didn't, okay. That'd be weird. <laughs> um, so so uh, he heard about The Exorcist and he, and, he, and he used to run a bookstore and he heard about The Exorcist and how some people were becoming quite disturbed by this movie because it's all about demonology and demon possession. And, um, and so what he did was he decided, well, oh, I, I believe in demonology and I believe in the Holy Spirit. So he put some flyers together and uh, wrote down some details. And what he did is he handed out the flyers to people as they went into the movie. And they would just like laugh at him and scoff at him. And it would say, if you're disturbed by what you have seen by this movie, give me a call. I would love to pray with you. And so people laughed at him. <clears throat> but as they came out of the movie, they started making phone calls to him going, come <laughs> on, can you give me a call? I got oh, whatever. <clears throat> I was too young to remember what that conversation was like. But anyway, so so. Uh, <laughs> What happened was the newspaper, the local newspaper found out that he was doing this and they thought that would be a quite of an entertaining story so they wrote up a little article about him kind of mocking him and so he got the name the Dundee exorcist Dundee being the city so we used to call him the Dundee exorcist to the day he died right <laughs> just to, that's just the labels get stuck with you in Scotland so so, so it, it was because that stuff is real. I mean, I believe you know, in the Holy Spirit. I believe in demonic powers. I believe this stuff actually is real. Oftentimes what the problem can be is that um, we can get into such spiritual things that they become odd or weird. And I used to call myself, not anymore, but I used to call myself an, an a recovering charismaniac Because uh, I used to see these types of things happen in church, but my father got to a place where he stopped calling himself a charismatic and just started calling himself an evangelical. And I said, why don't you you call yourself charismatic anymore? And he said, because people are just getting weird with the Holy Spirit. And I'd rather not be associated with weird people. And it's not that he gave up the things of the Spirit. It's just that it's easy to get distracted by some things. Now, the problem with the things of the Spirit is that I believe that sometimes it can swing to either side of the pendulum where that we become, we get to the point where everything is so spiritual that the sensational and, 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 and sometimes can supersede the point of glorifying God. But there's also other times in, I've been guilty of that and I've been guilty of the pendulum even going to the other side where everything is cerebral and all things must be rational, all things must be explainable and there's no room for the supernatural. Surely there must be something right in the middle where there has to be a part of us that is being freed and released to operate in the spirit, but also not have to suspend our minds. Our rationale. And so there's something right there in the middle. And if anything, I would encourage you to go to the Holy Spirit class that is run by uh, <clears throat> our online pastors, Pastor Phil and Linda. And it's an eight-week course. And honestly, I actually went to it and I just felt like we scratched the surface on that because the, Holy Spirit, the topic of the Holy Spirit is such a big thing. So I've got a few questions this morning that I want to address when it comes to the Holy Spirit, because I don't usually talk about the Holy Spirit too much, because again, it can get into just the weird stuff. But the more I look into it, the more um, I, love, I love discovering some of the fundamental things about the Holy Spirit. So the first question I have is this, is simply, who is the Holy Spirit? I think it's important to identify. It seems like that would be an, a, an easy question for us to answer. Of course, we know he is part of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is part of the Godhead. But there are three things I want to say quickly about who the Holy Spirit is. And the first one is this. He is an emotive person. He is an emotive person. Oftentimes I think that, that, that we consider the Holy Spirit as a force. He's just a power. He's not necessarily anybody that we can nail down but he is actually an emotive person because when it talks about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, it talks about that he groans. It talks about that he even aches and cries. It talks about that he has joy. It It talks about that we can actually offend him as well. Well, you can't offend a force. You can't have a force that cries. So he's not just a force, he's actually a person with emotions. He's the third part of the Godhead. The second thing I see of who the Holy Spirit is this. He is an empowering comforter. And in John chapter 14, when before Jesus was about to go to the cross, he met with his disciples and he said, listen, I'm about to leave and I'm gonna send someone in my place. I'm gonna leave in my place. He is the comforter. And oftentimes in many of your translations, it will say he is the advocate. Someone between, between you and the Godhead. But the original word is actually comforter. And the word comforter, uh, means come and fortify us, which means come and strengthen us. Often comfort can, can be considered something to do with comfortableness, but it's not about being comfortable, it's about being strengthened. Come and fortify us is what the Bible says or what that word really means. Come and fortify us, give us courage, give us strength. And it also indicates then we must be going into a battle because you don't get comforted in situations where everything is fine and everything is Okay. The third thing that I've learned about the Holy Spirit as I was studying this was that he is an executor of power. Why is he an executor of power? Well, one of the things that I've noticed is every time it describes the Holy Spirit, he is known as someone who is constantly moving, which is why I wonder if sometimes we just consider him just a force. But he's not just a force. He is known by how he actually moves. He's never described as a stationary person. And in the Bible, there are two words for the word wind. There's a gentle breeze, and there is a howling wind, a gale, as we say in Scotland. And here, you know, we've had a much experience of having howling winds come across Florida uh, uh, as tornadoes. Well, every time that the Holy Spirit is talked of as a wind, it's always a howling force of a wind. In Acts, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon them like a wind, but it wasn't just a, oh, isn't that just that lovely breeze? It's like a little fan on me right now. It's just nice, just like cooling me down like I'm standing in line at Disney and I'm really hot and it's just cooling me down. No, this is like a howling gale that is coming against them. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Now I say the word executive of power and that's something I want to have a look at right now because my next question is this, if we know who the Holy Spirit is, then what is it that he does? He does. And the best way that I can describe what the Holy Spirit does is I believe He is the executor of the Father's will. He is the executor of the Father's will. The four things I want to look at here, the executor of the Father's will is this. The first one is the Holy Spirit birthed creation. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was, what does that word say? Hovering over the waters. Now, it doesn't mean he was just like like floating around going, hey guys, look at me. Gravity doesn't affect me, right? That word hovering literally means brooding. Brooding or birthing. Anyone ever had chickens before? Had chickens before? Anyone? had a few chickens? Okay. When chickens are brooding, right? This is what they do. They go, they go, and they're twitching, don't they? They're twitching, because they're brooding, right? And they're shaking their tush like this, going Because they know they're about to come out with something. The Holy Spirit twitches, he moves. And have you ever had that where you're, you feel a vision inside of you. you? You can feel something great is upon you. You can see that something, you're called to do something, and there's an unsettledness within you. And oftentimes, with that unsettledness, it's an excitement, or sometimes it can be a push that I've got to get something done now. I've got to get something done. It's got to wait. I've got to make it happen right now. Listen, you're not under the unction where you have to make things happen right now. We have to wait for the Word of God. Because right after that is when the word of God came and God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit went into action and made it happen because the vision was already birthing inside of him. It was brooding inside of him. Expect yourself to birth and to brood the Holy Spirit, to brood the vision of God. Have you ever felt like you're birthing something? The second thing that the Holy Spirit does is he's, he's executor of the Father's will and that the Holy Spirit gave us God's word. Now what I've been doing is I've not just been looking at what does the Holy Spirit just doing the, in, the in the New Testament, but I've been trying to see what has the Holy Spirit done from the beginning of time? Where is he at? We know that he was the one who put the, the, the action into process for creating the earth. And we also know he's the one who created the word, the written word that we have. And in First Timothy, 2 Timothy, whichever. Look at 1st and 2 Timothy 3:16, you'll figure which one it is, okay? It says, all scripture is given by what does that word say? Inspiration of God. Now, some of your translations might have a different word, but inspiration is the original word. The, the, the actual meaning of this word in, in the form of the English word inspiration is in spirit action. I talked about that a long time ago. In spirit action that when you're in the Spirit, there is an action that is happening. It says all Scripture is given by the, this action of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that when you look at it, it's quite fascinating. The Holy Spirit, in fact, the original word, I went and looked at the Greek word of inspiration. It means this, theonustos, which means God blowing really hard like a storm. We just talked about that. It talked about how the Holy Spirit is like a mighty rushing wind. It's literally saying that the the, the Scripture was birthed and born by the Holy Spirit, which is why I believe that when you're reading the Word of God, you should ask the author, tell me about this. When you think about the Word of God, 1,400 years it took to take all the books, and we've got them collectively now in in, in the Bible that you've got that's on your app on your phone, right? 1,400 years it took to put that thing together. There was something like three different languages, and there was 40 different authors. How is it all these people spread across all these amount of years were able to write in such a cohesive way? Because the Holy Spirit is the author of the words that we are actually read today. When you're reading the Bible, I want to encourage you to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, could you sign this for me? No, kidding. <laughs> could you reveal to me what you're trying to say? Yes. And ask him, because he can tell you, because he knew what he was writing about. Here's the third way that the Holy Spirit is the executor of the Father's will. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to become a man. Okay, I have four things to say about this. The first one is we know that Jesus was born by the Holy Spirit. When the angel was speaking to Mary, it says the angel answered Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In fact, when we're, when we're reciting the Catechism, we're, or we're writing, sorry, uh, reciting the Apostles' Creed, we say, we believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and in His one and only begotten Son, that was conceived by Holy Spirit and born of virgin birth. So we know that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Just by the way, as a side note, I believe that one of the the first great sacrifice that Jesus gave to us is that he became a human like us. You see, that was a sacrifice for him because he can be everywhere and do anything he wants as God. But as soon as he became a man, he became finite like us which is why it says that he went back to heaven because he couldn't be everywhere at once and he left us the Holy Spirit. The second thing that that Jesus received to to become what he was meant to become through the Holy Spirit is when he was baptized. He went to John the Baptist Baptist, and he said, baptize me. And it says when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, up to that point, there is nothing about Jesus walking or having the Holy Spirit, which is why we believe that when he turned 30 years old, he started his ministry. Why? Because he received the Holy Spirit. There is no ministry or healings that are going on before the age of 30. It was only when he received the Holy Spirit And right after that, it says that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He had his training through the Holy Spirit. And as soon as he finished his training, then he went back into town and he started preaching the Word of God and he spoke from Isaiah and he said this, the Spirit of God is upon me to preach the good news to the poor to declare the day of freedom for those that are bound up. That is how the Spirit had operated on Jesus. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, Jesus wouldn't have been able to do what he could have done. Why? Because he subjected himself to being like us. Does that make sense to you? All right, let's look at this. The last one is it empowers, (laughs) the Holy Spirit empowers us to live out our salvation. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live out our salvation. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. All right. I say the word executor because an executor has the responsibility to carry out the will of the one that has the power and the ownership of those things, right? When someone dies, the executor has the responsibility to make sure that the will of the one that has died is, is, is carried out and the inheritance is passed on to the ones that are meant to inherit whatever the one that has died wants to give to them. So when my father died, there was someone that we drew up his will and had his will and the will was pulled out and the lawyer said, this is the will and last testament of your father. This is how he wants his stuff divided up. This is what he wants to give to you. Anyone ever gone through that before? And so what happens is when Jesus died on the cross, even though he rose from the dead, he didn't decide to say, I'm going to take it all back. It's all for me. The point of him dying on the cross is that we would inherit the things of the Father, what the Father wants to give to us. And so because he died on the cross, the Holy Spirit was then put in place to make sure that everything that belongs to us is now given access to us, that we're given access to it now, what I'm about to do is I'm about to look at him being the executor of the will of the Father. But I've called this the inherited privileges we have with the Holy Spirit. The four inherited privileges we have with the Holy Spirit. And the reason why I say that is because it's a privilege to have it and it's an inheritance, but it doesn't mean that you've necessarily accessed it. You see, you may have a grandmother who died last week and she left you a million dollars in the bank. You may not know about it, but you have it, it belongs to you. Or maybe you do know about it, but you haven't even been to the bank yet to access it and bring it into your life and let it have an effect inside of your life. None of these things that I'm about to say affect your salvation. You can have salvation, you can still have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can still walk into the presence of the Father, but it doesn't mean that you have the power in your life today. They're accessible for you. They are your inheritance. They're available for you, but it's up to us to know how to bring it into our lives. So here's the first one. The first inherited privilege we have is we have the privilege of a personal introduction to the Holy Spirit. Now, the early church, when it was preaching, it preached in three different ways. And I think this is somewhere where sometimes we get uh, uh, confused. And I noticed this. They always preached repentance to God, the Father. And then they said, believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then they would say, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, oftentimes, whenever if you've ever been in a church, if you've ever heard people teaching, you'll often hear, just receive Jesus into your heart. Now, I get the sentiment of that. I understand that. But in the New Testament, it never says to receive Jesus into your heart. It says to receive the Holy Spirit into your life. We believe on Jesus Christ, but we receive the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Now, oftentimes what happened was there are five different places that I could count where a person would believe in Jesus Christ, they would receive salvation, but there was a gap between them believing and receiving the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of us today have had that gap in our lives where we know we believe in Jesus Christ but we feel a lack of power or presence of God in our lives maybe because there's a gap between the believing in Jesus Christ and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. My question to you this morning is have you received the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you've received the Holy Spirit? It's really quite simple. All you do is open up your door and say, hey, come on in is sometimes we wonder if there's certain things we have to do in order to allow him to come into our lives. But it's just as simple as saying, Holy Spirit, I receive you. My mother was here a couple of weeks, and when she came over, she came over into my house and opened the door. I prepared a place for her, and it's like, that's your room. Tell me what you want me to do. I served her, she changed my behavior. And sometimes you can tell when someone's in your house because you change your behavior, you change the way you listen. Do they need me? Is there anything they want? And you become much more attentive to serving that person. But I didn't always hear from my mother She wasn't constantly speaking to me. She wasn't constantly making her presence felt in my life. There was times when she was actually sleeping and I didn't decide to say, hey, what do you want? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? I wasn't trying to bug her. I was like, what do you need? Do you need me to serve you? Do you need tucked in? What do you need? Like that. Sometimes we can feel like we've got to constantly be in communion with the Holy Spirit. It's not true. We can allow him to be in our lives and just be fine that he will speak when he needs to speak. Here's the second privilege that I believe that we have. The second privilege is to receive spiritual equipment from the Holy Spirit. Now, in your Bible, you probably read that there's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Nine gifts. I believe that was their perspective and their understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just don't see how the Holy Spirit is limited to just nine gifts. I think He's got a truckload of gifts that most of us haven't actually figured out what they are. But the one thing that I have discovered is this, that the number one sign of someone receiving the Holy Spirit in the New Testament was always boldness. There was something inside of them that gave them boldness. You can see that because his name is the comforter. Come and fortify us, give us strength for today. He gives us boldness. Now, that doesn't mean you're getting your soapbox, put it on the side of the street, standing up on it, and now you're just preaching to everybody, I'm so bold, I'm just shouting at everybody now. That's not the way it is. It's boldness of confidence that God can overcome everything that is in my way. God will overcome everything that I'm meant to get through today. That's the boldness, that's the peace, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit that should be in our lives. Now, let me talk about one of the gifts that I think is often confused to people and it's the gift of tongues the gift of tongues is one of the gifts now someone shout out give me another gift of the Holy Spirit prophecy interpretation healing faith preaching like Peter ha 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 no kidding discernment miracles whole bunch of stuff All right, make some up for yourself. Driving Driving fast cars. That's a gift of the Spirit. Amen. I'm in that one. Not sure. Maybe you need to discover what it is that God wants to give to you as a gift. And remember, all the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give you is for the purpose of glorifying God. What I've found is when I'm looking at all the gifts that it describes in the Bible, all the gifts are for the use of helping other people, blessing other people, except tongues. Now, oftentimes tongues have become the identity of someone who does have the Spirit. I just don't agree with that. If you've got it, great. Sometimes I think when you read the word tongues, I wish we could just change the word to language because it literally means that God gives us a different language. So I'm looking at this going, but what's the point of having a different language? And so as I was looking at this, I read in James something that really connected the dot for me and it was this. In James 3, 2 it says, anyone who is never at fault in what they, what does the word say? say? Say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. If I can really describe what my biggest problem in my life is, it's probably my tongue, my mouth. The things I say and the things I don't say. My mouth, my say. It's amazing how I can say my emotions or my feelings or my opinions and they come out and then they go back in my ears and they reconfirm every emotion of doubt that I had in the first place. Your tongue has this power to sometimes undermine the things of God. I remember when I was driving down the road with Pastor Peter years ago and um, I was taking him shopping, because he likes shopping, right? And this is Pastor Peter from Peru. And, uh, and I was driving down the road, and he speaks Spanish, and I don't. I only speak English, and he knows a few words. And, and he, as we were driving down the road, he turned to me and said, Pastor Peter, you're a very wise man. And I went, ha, 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 I hope so. <laughs> like that. And he goes, Oh, no, no. You do not disagree with God. Now, let's repent. Repeat after me Fajah. I'm like, Father? I repent for disagreeing with you, I am a wise man. I'm like, I repent for disagreeing with you, I am a wise man. And he goes, good, it's green, and we took off. (laughs) It stuck with me because I realized he caught me disagreeing with the things of God. And I wonder if that's what tongues are for. So if you want tongues, it's not to show yourself spiritual, but it's to find a way of allowing your mouth to start agreeing with God, because that's what the Holy Spirit does with God the Father. So when the God the Father in the beginning said, let there be light, the Holy Spirit went about and made it happen. So when you imagine if you had said, let there be a new building for this place. Let the ministry grow in this place and explode. It will come about because we're agreeing with the Father. Let the Holy Spirit start to grow in my family. Let my marriage be repaired. Let my children be praising the Lord. Let let, let, Let health and healing and wholeness come to my family and to my workmates. Let my business grow as a resource for the kingdom of God. You're agreeing with what the Father wants to do in your life. Imagine if you could convert that into his language and start speaking in his language. That's why I desire tongues. It's not so I can show myself as spiritual, it's simply that I can start releasing the things of God because I seem to keep undermining that. Thanks be to God. Would you like to receive a gift of the Holy Spirit today? Would you like to have something new in your life that would help you to glorify God to the next level? All oh, God's people said amen. amen. Here's the third thing that I see with our inherited privilege. I've only got two here, two left. The third one is the privilege of growing in maturity by the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that I notice with the Holy Spirit is that when I'm talking, when it it writes about how the Holy Spirit acts, there are several ways that it describes how the Holy Spirit acts, but it seems to have the same results. The first one is what I call the fire of the Holy Spirit, and the second one is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit is basically just the conviction to burn up the junk that is inside of us. Because the fact is, yes, I'm saved, yes, I'm sanctified, but there seems to be a bunch of junk that's still in my life, even if it's just in my mind or my mouth. And so sometimes we need the Holy Spirit to convict us. That one day, it was Pastor Peter who was the Holy Spirit convicting me right there and then. But there's other times when, even when, when, you know, I'll, I'll maybe be teaching one Sunday and someone will come up to me and they'll say... Do you have a camera in my house? And I'll always say, why, yes I do. And thank you so much for giving me a lot to say about life because your life stinks. No, I don't have a camera in anyone's life. And it's not because I'm so genius with what, I'm, what I believe that God's is saying. It's simply because the Holy Spirit has decided to speak to you about certain things. And it just so happens, it sounds like I'm saying those same things. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And expect that when you come and hear the word, don't expect to hear a word that is preached that is so wonderful that it helps your life to be amazing. No, even a donkey could speak the words of God and if he is speaking the scripture and the word of God, then you can receive something because it's the words that the Holy Spirit actually wrote. It's the words that the Holy Spirit wants to use. So imagine that he will release things to you to be able to help conviction to manifest in our life to burn up the junk that is inside of us. And of course, this maturity is also best described as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Someone shout out the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Shout me one. Love. Love. Joy. Joy. Peace. 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 You know them all by heart. You guys are awesome. I tell you, the growth of the Holy Spirit of the fruit of the Spirit is so important in our lives. But notice this, it doesn't all grow at once. I seem to be really really good at loving people, but man, I have a short fuse when that person really irritates me, right? In the name of Jesus, they irritate me and, and I'm just in the name of Jesus being really upset by them, still the fruit of the Spirit and stuff like that. But you know, fine, well, I really need to get some more patience in my life. Well, I believe that one fruit helps the other fruit to grow. We should expect that we can grow in those fruits. Is there a fruit that you need to grow in so that you become more like Jesus Christ? Okay, here's the fourth and final privilege that we receive from the Holy Spirit. And it's the the privilege to receive physical transformation through the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, I wonder if we make our faith too spiritual. I can maybe, I'm I'm probably maybe guilty of that myself. And I make it, uh, I make my my faith only about spiritual things and I can use spiritual language. But the fact is, God wants to convert that into our physical as well. He wants to convert it into our souls and into our bodies. And in Matthew chapter 10, it says that our souls and our bodies are actually linked together. Now you could say, where is the soul in the body? Well, let, let me look at it like this. If you take a keyboard, you could ask the question, where is the music in this keyboard? Where is it? How do you get the music out of that keyboard? The music is inside the keyboard, it's inside the piano, but you can't point to where it's at. It takes another person to step in there to start playing the keys and the sound comes out that glorifies God. That's basically like the Holy Spirit coming into our life and activating and interacting with our soul and with our bodies. We shouldn't just be saved and be having ourselves renewed in our minds alone, but we should be renewed in our bodies. Now, I know fine well that someday we will die and he'll give us a new body, a reconfigurated or a redeemed version of our body. But all the same, it's still gonna be an effect on our body. That's the Holy Spirit. Look at that. If the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living, Living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. That's your body today. God can heal your body. Are you disturbed in your mind? Do you have problems with being double-minded? You can expect God to not only heal your mind, but to heal your brain. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sin sound mind. You should expect to have a sound mind. If you've got problems with your heart, are you broken hearted? God can heal your heart and have you physically not have high blood pressure simply because He heals your mourning. He breaks off the chains of mourning in your life and He revives your heart so that your peace starts to overflow in your life and you don't have high blood pressure. Do you have problems with your bones, with your back? Do you have a burden upon you? God can heal your bitterness in order to overcome the power of that bitterness on your bones. Because uh, Proverbs says that bitterness is the root to something with your bones. There's a word. I can't remember what it is. Rot in your bones. Thank you. You're more holy than I am, at least in your mind. Pray for me later in my mind. Bitterness is the root of rot in your bones. And I believe that. I believe the spiritual is connected to the physical. Do you have problems with your bones? Yes, there is something wrong with your bones. go to your daughter. That's great. Daughters are there. But you can also pray for the Father to break off anything that is destroying your bones through the Spirit. You have problems with your sleep. Expect that God should heal your body where your adrenaline isn't pumping all the time, where when you go to bed at night, peace comes upon you. Your brain is not constantly racing. Ask Him to heal your heart, your soul, your mind, and expect it to affect your body. There's one last thing that I wanna look at today. I wanna look at this bird. This bird is called the frigate bird. (laughs) It's an amazing bird. Just uh, this week there was a report uh, uh, that was published uh, uh, in uh, one of the scientific journals about this frigate bird. And what they did is they, did anyone read that report? Is it just me? Am I the only nerd here? Okay. So what they did is they took this little transponder and they put it on a bunch of these frigate birds just to track them and see what their behaviors are. And what they found is that these birds can actually fly for days on end to the point that they tracked some of the birds that flew nonstop for up to two months at one time. And what they do is they fly so high in the sky, they go up something like 18,000 feet, which is the height of the Rockies. And they fly, and what they do is you'll notice that, as you're looking at that video right now, you'll notice that they don't really, they don't have to flap their wings at all, because they have learned and adapted how to catch the wind and float above it. They fly so high that they can keep going, that they actually measure that they only flap their wings maybe once every six minutes. Their heart rate sinks so low. They can fly for up to 250 miles in one day. I find this amazing, because I'm looking at it going, how do they do this? Well, let me tell you, it's not because the bird is amazing. The bird doesn't make this happen by itself. The bird catches a gust of wind and goes up for miles in the sky and just hangs out there. Yes, the bird has had to adapt in order to catch that wind, but it's the wind that sustains the bird up so high. And what it's done is it's learned to allow itself to just be at rest, to just be at peace, be still and know that I am God. And I believe that we got to do is learn how to just allow ourselves to be still and know that the Holy Spirit is in us, that he can carry us through any storm, that he can take us over many great obstacles, that he can take us to the place that we need to get to instead of flapping our wings and wondering, what are we meant to do? What are we meant to do? And burning up all of our energies and spiking the rate, our heart rate and Losing all the, the, the peace that we've gotten ourselves, we, know how to, we need to learn how to just be still and know that he is God. Allow the Holy Spirit to carry us. Let our heart rates drop. Let our mind be at peace. Because when Jesus said, I'm about to give you the comforter, he had said this in the sentence before. He said, my peace I give you. By the way, I'm gonna leave you someone to make sure that that peace comes alive in your life. His name is the comforter. I want to encourage you today Do you feel like you've received the Holy Spirit? If you've not, that's okay. It's not a complicated or a weird thing we have to do. It's not a feeling you have to get. It's simply an invitation. And I'm going to ask the band to come up, and what we're going to do is we're going to just play a song right now. We're going to worship God together. And then I'm gonna pray for you. And as we are worshiping and we're receiving the Holy Spirit and inviting Him to come into our lives, any of you who want to receive the Holy Spirit because you don't feel like you've done it, then just receive Him again. Hey, Holy Spirit, come into my house. You are welcome here. Have your way in my life. Excuse me. If any of you, after that, what I will do is I'll end in a prayer. And if any of you after that want to have prayer for healing or you want to have prayer to receive a gift or to grow in a fruit of the Spirit, then we've got some leaders that'll come forward and they'll pray for you. You know what, all we can do is pray. The Holy Spirit can take over and do His thing. There's nothing that we have to do in order to try and sort things out and fix everything. He will have the power to do that in our lives. You wanna be a part of that right now. So let's stand right now as we we fire up a song, we're just gonna worship God together.
1: close. Nothing can compare. You're living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close.
2: Nothing can compare. You're living hope. Oh. Oh. Your presence. Tasted and seen, the sweetest of loves. Your heart becomes free, and the shame is undone. Your presence. All
0: right, let's welcome in the Holy Spirit into your life right now. Sing out with everything you've got.
2: Holy And fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what I. To be overcome by your presence, Lord.
0: Holy Spirit, we make an official invitation that you are welcome here in our lives, in our church. We know you have been here for so long, but we want to welcome you again into our house, welcome you into our homes. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us up right now from the bottom of feet, to the top of our heads and to overflowing. Take over every area of our life. Burn off the chaff. Dig out the stuff that is taking up your space, taking up room that belongs to you. I pray you go into every room in our house, into our memories, into our future, into our present, into our past, into our pains, into our joys. I pray for Holy Spirit, that you would overcome everything and take ownership and turn us into who we're meant to be in Christ's image. We ask this in the name of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our service is going to be officially ending right now, and you are free to go at any time, but if you we'd like to receive some more prayer. We'll take a few more minutes before our next service. If you wanna be prayed for healing, you wanna pray for uh, receiving the gift or growing in the the fruits of the Spirit, I want you to come forward and take some time just to have someone to pray over you. And if you've, some of my leaders, you know what you need to do, just dive in there and start praying for people. But if you want to be prayed for, come on forward now. Ready, steady, go. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you for the rest of you that need to leave.